0: Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, and skeptic. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This isn't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No sales from the front ever, and no smell is still coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. You know what I'm talking about. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your amusement and hopefully, education. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a like, share it across the internet. It really does help. If you're listening to this on iTunes, please go and give me a review too. If you're going to give me a shitty review, maybe send me a message and give me a chance to fix it first. Go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in the local meetings. Go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit Investors or Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. If you prefer, hello YouTube, you can go to YouTube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. Legal disclaimer, it's where we live in, folks. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact an attorney, lawyer, and or other licensed professionals. I also recommend you be an adult. Don't sue me. Show quote of the week. Every week, I try and pick a quote for the Renegade Detroit Investors podcast. It sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And uh, I also try and pick one that I think uh, maybe matches with the guest. We'll see how well I did. Those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. George Bernard Shaw. Those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to Joanna Dewecky. Joanna Dewecky grew up in Traverse City, Michigan, where she developed a love of local interest in grassroots organizing. After graduating from college, she moved to Detroit area to start a career in communications while spending time. Learning about small businesses in the city, writing for an online publication, The Awesome Mitten, and working for the Detroit Regional Chamber, Joanna's interest became more focused on social justice and the integrity of neighborhood development. As a neighborhood and communications director for Detroit Soup, Joanna's also or is able to combine her excitement for storytelling with her love of Detroit and its many neighborhood businesses and projects. She recently finished a master's in library and information science and enjoys working on a variety of freelance projects. Go to Joanna DeWicke, J O A N N A D U E W E K E dot com. Go to Detroitsoup.com or awesomemitten.com. Welcome. Thanks for coming out, Joanna.
1: You're welcome. Hi.
0: This is I'm, I'm excited about this. So we met actually in this coffee shop. We're in always brewing Detroit.com, by the way, conveniently located. On Grand River between Southfield and Outer Drive on the north side of the street. And you're like a little encyclopedia of everything Detroit. <laughs> seems like you know you know everything, but the beginning, Traverse City to Detroit. I know it's not that far, but big change. How, how did that happen?
1: Well, it's it wasn't a direct route by any means. Um, I grew up in Traverse City. I went to Michigan State for my undergrad. So I lived in East Lansing. Um, And then after I graduated, I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Um, And so my dad told me to come home because he wanted me to stop wasting money. And so I moved home. And while I was there, um, my friend Alex Beaton, sent me a message asking if I wouldn't mind writing for her blog, The Awesome Mitten, that she had recently started. Um, Since I had very little direction about what I was going to do, I uh, agreed, Um, which meant that I started having conversations with small business owners in Traverse City and the surrounding area, um, learning about what it is that made them successful or not um, and what was interesting about the work that they were doing. Um I spent a long time working for restaurants because that's what you do when you oh, yeah. grow up in Traverse City. Or any northern Michigan town, really.
0: If you don't have a shit job in a restaurant, I don't think you haven't lived. You know, you
1: got <laughs> to know how totally low true. low could be. You know, yeah. But in a in a town like that, uh, working in the service industry it just kind of happens naturally for most people. Um, you're like a weirdo if you didn't.
0: Is that like a Traverse City rite of passage?
1: I think so. I mean, I have some friends that never did, but they worked in retail instead. So yeah. I feel like they're one and the same. Um, except you make more money working in restaurants, regardless. (laughs) Um, So uh, I worked in restaurants for a long time, um, and a kind of pseudo-marketing education uh, job opened up at the Michigan Restaurant Association in Lansing. Um, And I decided that that made sense. So I applied, got the job. Um, It was my first real job. I had been doing other freelance writing projects following... um, starting at the Awesome Minton. So I moved back to Lansing as an adult into the city, um, which is much different than going to Michigan State. Um, And that went well for a while. Um, The Michigan Restaurant Association focuses a lot on the business of the restaurant and less on the people that work there at the restaurants. So it was a struggle for me to make that jump of caring about the politics and policy for the business as opposed to, um, like my friends that actually work at the restaurants and what would be best for them. Um, and so, you know, that meant that I needed to kind of think about what I wanted to do. Um, so I decided that maybe corporate communications made sense. Really? (laughs) Left
0: instead of right. Somebody has to do it though, right?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so it doesn't I mean,
0: that, it doesn't mean it can't be done well. I know it hasn't been yet. Right. But there's always uh you could have yeah, been it.
1: Yeah. So, um, at that point I, uh, decided to get a job in Troy, um, working at a small advertising agency. And, uh, let's just say the suburbs and me don't really get along. Um, here, here. <laughs> So I spent some time out in the suburbs, uh, about a year at that job, and then um, there was a a job offered at the uh, Detroit Regional Chamber, and that's when I made the switch to working downtown and also living in Detroit, um, which was a really good decision. Um, The Detroit Regional Chamber was an excellent learning experience with lots of opportunity, Um, I spent a lot of time trying to do more with small business in the city of Detroit than they had done in the past, um, which was sometimes a struggle and sometimes super fun. Um, and it was at that point that I learned more about what, uh, Detroit soup does. And, um, I've started volunteering for Detroit soup and then in May, um Amy Kahrel offered me the position to direct the neighborhoods. So that's that's a rough overview of how I got from Traverse City to Detroit. No, I like it.
0: I like <laughs> it. What did you learn working for these um regional development? They're kind of like quasi corporate, quasi government, quasi yeah. I mean so
1: chambers are hard um in general, but uh, the Detroit Regional Chamber, its region is 11 counties. Um, oh, so that,
0: that's not useful at all, is it?
1: Well, it's frustrating, yeah. um, because they have a lot of interests and they have to be really cautious about who gives them money. They're a nonprofit, um, essentially. And so they, uh, you know, they have a lot of interest going into them and then they're also a political organization because they have a, a, a PAC, and so um there's a lot of interest going in. I was lucky enough to work in the department that um made all of the money um because uh my uh my department handled the insurance and affinity programs so those are like uh at that time it was working with Blue Cross and Office Depot on different programs. I worked with small businesses and uh, offered them, you know, expertise and classes which made no sense for my department but my boss really really liked the idea and so he was super supportive of me doing it and since our department made the money it made it easier
0: yeah who's gonna wait they want to you know rock the boat and then like the money stops coming in right
1: yeah but then there's some transitions that happened and uh, it just made more sense for me to um not be in that position um which I absolutely understand, but they were also really supportive of me moving on to soup. I worked for the chamber part-time for a while while I was working for soup. Um, just they, they were really supportive of the transition and that sort of thing. So um, as much as it's difficult to work there um, it's also a, there's a lot of good that's coming out of there too.
0: So. Well, somebody needs to do it too. Cause people like me can't, like, Right, I am just physically unable to work with, I don't know, it seems like anybody, really.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um no, I mean, working there you have to be able to um relate and understand the plight of business owners while still also managing corporate interests, which can be really hard. Um so Would you say it's like riding a
0: bike backwards while dodging potholes, (laughs) right? That's how I would look at it. I don't want to
1: talk too negatively about the chamber. They do a lot of good work. I would not
0: say it was negative. It's just um, the politics of things like – like any large organization has politics. Absolutely. It it doesn't matter what it is, corporate, government, right? And it just just seems treacherous, especially from someone like me who just always says what he – I know that (laughs) the world needs people like you. It's – but I want to read this. I want to write something uplifting here, but I also don't want to be remembered as a cliche. <laughs> Life is hard. I work a lot because I want to. I drink plenty of whiskey. I swear more than I should. I love Detroit and I wear fake pearls. <laughs> My name is Joanna Dewicky which I just, I love that. I'm like, yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> those those things are mostly true.
0: I wonder if I could write two sentences and be that succinct about myself. And I, I think that sums you up. Um Pretty well. So, so what jobs are you working right now?
1: Right this second. So, yes. um, I work at this coffee shop, always brewing Detroit. Um, I think it was in August. Amanda was just overwhelmed, which is the state of Amanda a lot of times. Um, and she, I mentioned that I was going to be leaving the chamber and might need some extra money. And so she said, do you want to work for me? And I said, I don't know how to make coffee." And she said, cool, I'll tell you how. Yeah. And so I've been working here since August um, on Fridays and Saturdays mostly. and Occasional other times. Um, I work for Detroit Soup. I'm the Neighborhood and Communications Director. I um, do uh, some blog writing for a company called Social Coop Media, which is a small social media company. Um, I write for and am an adult the senior associate editor of uh, The Awesome Mitten. And then what else? Well, I just finished my master's degree just like two weeks ago.
0: I was going to say, you stay busy.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think that's it for sure right now. Yeah, (laughs) That,
0: that is a lot. That is a lot. If you had to do it all over again, would you go back for your master's? And So, so what, you got your undergrad. What would you get your, your undergrad at Michigan State yep. University, right?
1: Yep. So I went to Michigan State. Um, I got an English degree. Uh, that was initially going to be an English degree in teaching, but the teaching part fell off my senior year. So, uh, yeah, that happened. And then I have my master's in uh, library and information science now.
0: I know. I knew it had to be something like that. Yours is the only bio I didn't have to rewrite. And I was like, "Man, that's great." I should just forward all my stuff. Hey,
1: well, I did work as a copywriter yeah, no, for a while. No,
0: that was it was excellent. <laughs> and how? So I feel like this this regional. I don't know. It's, it's it's feels it feels like a journey where you go from regional corporate, nonprofit, highly political, doing important stuff, but difficult to do. And I don't know, I feel like there's a story somewhere, not that anybody did anything bad, but um, <laughs> where you cast off one part of your life and started another one. Am I am I right about that or am I wrong about that?
1: Well, no, I think so. So being from Traverse City there, you are raised in a culture of local Um there the restaurants that are in the like central business district of downtown area are all locally owned and operated. Um, you know, there's like one family of restaurants at the time that I was living there, that's kind of separated now, that was owned by like like kind of a corporate thing, but there's like five restaurants in the family. It wasn't crazy. Um, and I like went to high school with one of the girls of the father that was part of that. Like it's not there's nothing overly corporate about Traverse City, um, by nature of its size. And then, uh, you know, you could get like a Ruby Tuesdays if you went down the hotel chain of the street, um,
0: Ruby Tuesdays probably owned by someone right there though. Yeah, probably, City, you
1: know, right? like, yeah. uh, so, so that was like what I was raised in, what I understood, um, small pond. Yeah, absolutely. Um and where you you get to know the people that own the restaurant because they're working in the restaurant or uh you go like all of the clothing stores are, you know, somebody's mom works there or owns it. You know, it's just a it's a totally different mentality than when I moved to um the uh the greater Detroit region. Um and that's when I will admit I lived in Novi for like 3 months. <laughs>
0: is there a sport group for that?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, it was really rough. Um he I couldn't handle it. Uh yeah. you know, uh that it's all big box stores, um you know, chain restaurants. I I never I never knew what to do. Um I didn't want to go to Barnes and Noble, you know, like it, it it was just too much. Um and so yeah, I think there was a transition. I as somebody that lived in northern Michigan, I didn't understand the greater metro Detroit area. Like you just assume it's all Detroit. It's all the same when you're from up north.
0: Oh yeah. I can see how that happens, right?
1: Yeah. And then you move here and you're like, Oh goodness, this is not the same. No, not at all. Yeah. Um so when I was living in Nova, I was living with a boy and uh he worked nights and weekends a lot. So I just started coming down to Detroit and going to like John King um books downtown, going to Eastern market, you know, just exploring different things, scaring the crap out of my mom, of course um and uh it was it was an interesting transition um i I learned that I liked Detroit, which if you had asked me five years ago, even if I would ever have lived in Detroit, I would have told you you were crazy, and now I would think you were crazy, thinking I would ever leave, so it was, I I can't even, I don't know what it was that the huge transition was, but I will admit the, um, getting involved with soup, even early on, just going to soup, uh, while I was still working fully for the chamber and all of that, um, that definitely changed my perspective on what matters to this city. And since I really care about this city, that was really important and, uh, definitely, um, I started listening to my heart a little bit more about what uh what and where I wanted to live and work and um what good work feels like and uh how little money matters when you are doing something you care about.
0: Uh, yeah, that's an important lesson to learn, right? 5 years. So you what do you think the suburbs I'm going to I'm going to circle back around yeah. to that, right? That fine. Um Cause you have this, I have this perspective as well. And you're on the, you're the first guest I've had on that's had that same perspective. So I want to, I want to, I want to dive into that. Now I want, I do want to say this is not, these are personal preferences, folks. Okay. <laughs> yes. Personal preferences. So just park your butt hurt, right? You can live anywhere you want to. We're just going to explore some opinions here. Right. So what was it about the suburbs that, Besi- I mean, I know there's big box, right? But was it specifically about the suburbs where it, you just didn't feel like you belonged or something like that, right? Was it like feeling like it belonged or like you're in the wrong place at the wrong time or something? Or
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. There's that uh, theory out there about tribalism, right, and where you find your tribe. Um, and so somebody asked me recently uh, what what I like best about my life right now. That's a good question. I know.
0: Thank you, that person. I'm getting it on the podcast.
1: <laughs> and uh, I had to think about it for a minute because, you know, I could list off a lot of things that I really enjoy about my life and probably some that I don't enjoy. Um, but one of uh, the the thing that I came up with was I like com- my community the most. And that uh, that includes the work that I do and the people that exist within my world, even if they're just acquaintances or the bartenders that I see or whatever. Um, my community is really important to me. And, uh, when I was living in the suburbs, um, that community was just non-existent. Um, you know, I never saw a lot of the same people more often than, you know, the one time that I went into the place or whatever, but in Detroit, It's the biggest small town there is. Thank you. Is it not? <laughs> it's so excellent in that way. I mean, it's also awful when you sure. are dating it's both. and being a it's both. 20-something girl. Um, but it, it's uh, it's also fantastic. Uh, you know, um, you make friends quickly, too, especially people that also live in Detroit, because we're all, like, a specific kind of crazy. And so uh, we relate in that way. Which is why I have nothing against the suburbs at all. Like I have friends that live in the suburbs, but uh they're not the kind of crazy that people that live in Detroit are. Um and that crazy is beautiful. It's so great. uh, you have to you have to commit to this city if you want to live here. That's for sure,
0: hey, and there's nothing wrong with hey, you folks live in the suburbs working hard, paying all those taxes, raising kids. you know, good on you. we love you for it. But we're talking about a disconnect where. I felt the same way, not just about the Detroit, Metro Detroit. I've lived all over the world. Just suburbs in general, mm-hmm. every house the same. You can pick from this palette of colors. You don't know who your neighbors are. You live in a house. Every house is exactly the same. I don't know how. I lived next three years next to people, didn't know their name, didn't know their neighbor. It just seemed really strange to me. Yeah. And we moved to Detroit and – well, it's kind of we're, we just flew into detroit and we're eating breakfast and our waitress is telling us about the abortion she had to have <laughs> which was like a huge culture shock yeah for yeah. me i'm like who would go around telling this but this is how detroit is it's it, it just how detroit
1: is That's yeah, how, a lot of us are very personal with one another and it doesn't take much to it's get us there
0: easy to make friends and enemies in yeah this city,
1: absolutely right? absolutely yeah. um yeah i uh, i used to joke that um uh, I would never date anyone that lived in the suburbs because they would never <laughs> get me. Um, I've since gone back on that a little bit because maybe I don't want to date anyone that lives in Detroit because it's such a small town. But yeah. well,
0: you don't want to, you don't want too small,
1: people, <laughs> right? right?
0: Yeah. Maybe you convince them to move to Detroit first, right? And yeah. a multi layered plan. Yeah. Um, what I liked about Detroit, you said I, you summed it up very well. The biggest small town, it is an incredibly, I mean, it's huge. 140 square miles, only 700,000 people left, right? Maybe less, maybe like 600,000 because I mean, who knows how many people actually do that, right? (laughs) And the other 3 million or 2.5, 2.6 million live in the suburbs. So we got a lot of space to ourselves, but it also is a huge regional hub that's very important to Mm -hmm. the whole world, not just to Michigan or whatever. It's Cars made here. Everything goes out here. It's an exciting place, but it is thoroughly fucked up and enjoyable. <laughs> and what I like about it is nobody comes around telling me what color to paint my house.
1: This is true.
0: I feel like it's a land of opportunity, even though your neighbors might kill you or something like that, right? Well,
1: and, that's an exaggeration. N- yes, yes.
0: <laughs> it's, it's more danger. Like, you're safer in the suburbs, for sure, right? But I just don't feel like there's opportunity like there is. And I could be wrong about that. I've just always looked at Detroit as a place for opportunity. And I would—I don't think like this often because I'm goal-oriented and I have my own schemes and plans. But I feel like it's kind of like our generation's chance. Like our parents had a chance to fuck everything up. (laughs) Our grandparents fucked everything up, right? And here they just say like, okay, here's Detroit. It's all yours. What other city in America do young people with so little money? Yeah, yeah can get involved in ways as we're coming up to like Detroit soup, right? You seriously have influence with thousands of people because of something like Detroit soup, right?
1: Yeah. And not even Detroit soup alone, right? Like, uh, if you think about it, even this coffee shop that we're in, Amanda didn't have like a giant trust fund that helped her open her small business. She just decided she wanted to do this thing and she did it. And, uh, that's, that's part of the reason why this community is so lovely is that uh, I am surrounded by people that have multiple jobs. We're all really busy. Like I'm not special because I have several jobs. All of my friends have more than one. Um, And some of them are their own businesses that they've started. And uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's easy to start your own business in Detroit because it's not, No, but the barrier to entry is significantly lower than in other cities
0: cheap buy-in yeah
1: cheap uh, buy-in. you know the the survival of that business is uh, probably harder because you have to do a lot of the legwork on your own and there aren't a lot of structures in place to do that work for you like there are in other cities but you can you can do a lot of things that you might not be able to do in other places you know amanda's had a coffee shop for two and a half years ish um Part of that being pop-up, but she's only, what, 31? Yeah, like, young. That's that's incredible that she had this idea and she did something about it. I met Amanda writing for Awesome Mitten like two years ago um, when she had first opened. And uh, I wrote an article about my experience talking with her. And even then, you could just see it. She was still working waitressing jobs and just uh, trying to make ends meet. But she wanted this space to be here.
0: I'm glad it's here, too. It certainly attracts a pioneer. I don't know. Maybe pioneering is not the right word, but <laughs> I, I use it. Pioneering, frontier, risk-taking kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe a little egotistic, too. Like, I don't know. I can get it done here where I can't get it done somewhere else, right? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. It, do you have that? I don't know. What What about Detroit drew you in? hmm <laughs> Because you could have gone to Traverse City.
1: Yeah. And you could, you, you could you have know. stayed.
0: In. You could have moved anywhere. You're a smart person. You're an excellent <laughs> writer, right? You could be anywhere. You, in fact, you could have a corporate job probably making six figures if you wanted to.
1: Probably, maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Right?
0: At least 50000 right? Yeah,
1: I could, I could. Uh, be well on your way to 2.2 <laughs>
0: 2 kids, the same house as the neighbors, paying the same color in the same car, right?
1: Yeah, I could probably do that. Um,
0: so why not? Why Detroit?
1: <laughs> well, a lot of that comes from personal preference. But uh, first of all, it's cool not to be married in Detroit. Like, I don't have to feel like I'm doing anything wrong being almost thirty and not having kids or whatever. None of my friends are married. Well, one of them got married. Sorry, I don't want them to hear this and get upset. Um, but uh, yeah, none of my friends are married, we all are just working jobs and trying to figure it out. But no one really feels bad about not having the you know, nucleus family and uh, uh in a I don't know, fancy house. I've considered buying a house, but that's mostly because I want to rent it out and be a landlord, and that's like come to the dark side yeah (laughs) but like that's you know that's that's, that's the only reason i want to buy a house not because i need to establish a family and you know put down roots i'm not really concerned about my roots right now um i i know it's not for everybody but i don't have an exact plan and uh detroit's a good place for that you have a huge supportive community of other people just uh doing what makes them feel like they are contributing to something larger than themselves. I'm
0: going to call you on that plan. You have to have some sort of plan, though, (laughs) because I don't think you accidentally end up with a master's, right? (laughs) Well. That's kind of hard to accidentally do, and that doesn't mean it was a great plan, right? (laughs) But it certainly took a lot of commitment and something like a plan, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, I've been asked when I'm going to go back for my second degree. So what happened was I started my master's when I was still working in, um, when I was still like a copywriter and a social media manager for a corporate advertising company, Um And I think that I really wanted to – well, so my specialization is in user experience. And so that is uh, making digital spaces more usable for everybody. Um, And I think I wanted to work for, like, some fancy company and make websites for the rest of my life. Um, But then I realized I kind of liked people a lot more than that. Um, So not that this degree will not be useful because I still do work in communications – um, but the communications I work on are for tiny nonprofits, like the one that I currently work for. Um, and so definitely anybody can use digital spaces that are more user-friendly. Um, not to mention the, uh, the things that I learned while I was in uh, school have kind of turned me into what I would like to call an information advocate. I don't know if that's an actual thing that people talk about in the world, but um, Detroit has an incredible digital divide. And um, for those of you that don't speak that language, a digital divide is that some of us have access to technology and opportunity and essentially money and power, and other people do not have access to that. Um, and that is growing at a rapid rate. And uh, there's a lot of work being done in this city, Um to try to remedy that. But uh, it's still really difficult because you're talking about money and power and people want money and power and other people don't have access to it.
0: Yeah. And the Detroit public school system is, I don't want want to be negative, but so corrupt. I I get, this is one of the things I get mad about every time the city wants to go do bullshit when we just toss our kids out to the wolves here in the city and just, just, I'm not going to get too far down this, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. One of the reasons why I farm, I were, we were growing some tomatoes. Neighborhood kids came over. And I tr- like, hey, yeah, take these home, you know, all that. I tried to. They didn't know what it was. I tried to explain it yeah. to them. It's like pizza sauce or ketchup. They got mad at me. I'm sure they got mad at me like I was trying to con them.
1: Yeah, like you were trying to pull one over on them.
0: I'm like, what is this? Like 19th century England or whatever? I just need to <laughs> you get in there and make shoes or something. It, it just blows my mind. It, and it is it is sad to see and. Yeah, I don't know how we're going to overcome that. But that's what I like about Detroit, too. hmm And Detroit Soup. And not just Detroit Soup. Lots of different...
1: You yeah, don't even You don't even yeah. have to
0: wait around for government. You can literally go find some organization. <laughs> yeah and start making a difference, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. What was it? You had a, a on a couple weeks ago, you had Andy Diderosi. Yeah. And uh, I remember one time he was speaking at an event and he brought up that uh, what bothers him is that in a lot of places, people try to come up with um, companies that they can start that um, are kind of glamorous, you know? They want to be the next tech startup or whatever. Um, and uh, he said that in detroit you have to just think about what the city needs and whether that is being the next Portageon company or whatever you just do it um and uh so i, I don't know he just saw uh, that's always stuck with me that you can like be whatever you want here but you need to find a need and this city has a lot of needs i think
0: that's what i like about detroit too opportunity the nice thing about things that are so broken is there's a there's a lot. Of, there's place for a lot of people to come and fix some stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You want to fix something,
1: even not come, but are already here. Already here, right? Because uh, step up. Yeah, um, you know. So, so we can talk about Detroit Soup a little bit if we want to do that, because uh, that's kind of what I love about that job. Um, it's part of what I love about that job uh, is that the the stage for Detroit Soup is. Um, is open to anyone and empowers a lot of people that would normally not feel like they had power. And uh, that is really cool to me and uh, it's really moving and it's really interesting to watch the people that, uh, that present and or win at Detroit soup and what they do going forward. I kind
0: of look, I kind of look at voting like I look at praying. About as useful, in my opinion, <laughs> which is why let's get in the Detroit soup because this is. I think this. I think this is the future. I don't think this particular thing is the future, but it all starts somewhere. We don't know how it's going to end, right? Yeah. But let's let's talk about Detroit soup. What is Detroit soup?
1: Okay, so I'm going to tell the backstory as best that I can in a succinct manner. Um, about six years ago, on a snowy uh, Super Bowl Sunday six friends decided to start doing um, dinners where people would pay a donation of $5 at the door um, and listen to some presentations about ideas about art in Detroit. And then everyone would eat together and they'd vote on whichever artistic project they thought should take home the money. And, uh, they the this was six years ago it was not the Detroit soup of today, but that was like the the general idea. These friends wanted their friends to be able to get money for art projects. Um the idea started originally in Chicago and then one of the six brought it to Detroit as this idea. Um quickly they started creating a. Uh, not so much rules, but like larger constraints around what it was. So now there are four presentations only because that's about as much time as people have to pay attention in the world. The presentations only last four minutes. Um, they get four questions from the audience. Uh, the suggested donation is $5, um, but you can obviously give more or less. You know, all of these things started taking shape, but the most important thing that started taking shape was that, the dinners needed to be about more than art because Detroit, as much as it does need art, it needs a lot of things. Um, and so the the silos were, were taken away and now Detroit Soup um, has no restrictions about the projects aside from the fact that they have to um, benefit Detroit and or the neighborhoods that they're in because about three years ago we started doing neighborhood soups as well which have all of the same ideas, only the projects have to be about the neighborhoods. Um, I was not one of those six. I didn't even live in Detroit. I didn't even think I wanted to live in Detroit at that time. Um, I will fully admit that. Uh, But I started working on the project about two years ago when I uh, started the neighborhood soup in the um, East Jefferson Corridor. And... It's been a whirlwind ever since then. Um, but I, I really started working on the like larger logistics and growth of the idea um in May. And uh so that's that's essentially my place in it. Amy Cahur is the director. Um she's been working on it. She is one of the original six. Um and uh, Interesting character, too. <laughs> she is amazing. Which is Detroit. Yeah.
0: Detroit as fuck, as I like to say. It. <laughs> she is Detroit as fuck.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about how everybody in Detroit has several hustles, uh, Amy is the director of Detroit Soup, but she is also an excellent DJ. And she is an ordained minister. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, and she is a generally fabulous human being. Um, but, uh Yeah. Yeah, everyone is really interesting in this city. Um, So she brought me on, and um, it's been an excellent learning experience. Um, Naturally, Detroit Soup has um, become popular in other parts of the country and the world. Um, There's a lot of uh, publicity that has happened around it. Uh, People hear about the projects that have won... And this crazy idea of letting people vote with their own voice, it's its insane. I do not I understand what's so crazy about it.
0: <laughs> I can work in Detroit. I don't see why I couldn't work everywhere, right? Yeah, and,
1: and it is proving to do yes. so. So um, there's a document on our website that uh, is about 40 pages or so long. Um, we rewrote it this summer uh, to include the past few years of progress. It has best practices. It has an explanation of how democracy should look and work in the idea of Detroit soup, not democracy in general, just for Detroit soup.
0: Well, no, it's a real democracy. It's a voluntary
1: democracy. Everybody takes care of everybody, right? (laughs) It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It should be, I think. But. Um. And so the, the document exists online. And because of that, there are, don't quote me on the numbers of these things, but there's, uh one two three four like four soups in um michigan then there are around 50 in the rest of the u.s um around 45 in the uk three in australia three in the continent of africa wow and two in the middle east
0: um I feel like we need more in Africa in the Middle East.
1: <laughs> well because we don't do and I mean this isn't evangelical, right? Like they make the choice to do this. So um it's it's all organic on how it happens. The one the one the reason there's a ton in the UK is because BBC did a show about soup um at the beginning of last year and they all became obsessed. Um which is great. Uh, th- I feel like there's a new one in the UK every week, <laughs> it's absurd um, and uh, I we are currently working with a translator in Colombia who is translating the document to Spanish because there are some folks in um, Bogota that would like to start a soup, but they want the document in Spanish so that they can help getting get more people on board with them than just the people that speak English, um, which is going to be kind of a game changer um, as far as the like South America is concerned, um, because this is a, uh, a concept that everyone is allowed to feel empowered in. Um, you don't have to be an expert in anything. You just have to care about the community. You don't even have to be from Detroit to go to Detroit soup. You know, we have people that travel internationally to come to these events. Um, and they're not a big deal. You know, you're sitting on the floor and you're listening to folks who just want to do something special for their city, talk about their idea. Um, I say that it's not a big deal in the sense that there's not a whole lot of production value. It is a huge deal to listen to someone tell you what their dreams are and you decide whether they deserve money or not. Um, but the the production value is super low. Well,
0: yeah, it could be done anywhere, anytime by anybody who wanted to.
1: Absolutely. As Literally. long as you can get people in a room and people to talk about their ideas, which is harder than you think, but it's uh, it's a beautiful thing.
0: So if somebody, let's just, cause I, this is a worldwide thing. I have some international people, right? And we have 150 people now who listen regularly. Thank you very much, everybody. We started with like 45 and then a couple months ago is a hundred. So we're up like the 150 with iTunes. Thank you. But what is the Detroit soup meeting? At least the one, the, not the neighborhood one, but the the main Detroit soup meeting look like understanding that not every meeting is going to be the same everywhere. And that's the beauty of it too. Right? Yeah,
1: sure. So, uh, a descriptive visual of what ours are like. Um, we have them every month to every six weeks. Uh, in 2016, we decided to have less of them at the citywide level in order to, uh, gain more people coming back regularly because we don't want to over inundate you with democracy. Um, so, uh, our next one will be January 17th. Um, and what that will look like is the doors will open at six. Um, Somebody will be at the door politely asking you for a suggested donation of $5. You can give more or less. doesn't matter to us. We're just happy to have you. Um, And then you go inside, and there's some tables on the floor. There's some regular tables. Uh, Inside for us at Detroit Soup is this building called the Jam Handy, which is um, 2900 East Grand Boulevard. And uh, it's just down the way from the Fisher Building, but it is nothing like the Fisher Building. It is a pretty bare old film studio. Um, exposed brick, wood floors, high ceilings.
0: Beautiful in the Detroit way, though. <laughs> yes, very really beautiful is. in
1: the Detroit way. Um, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's definitely ours. Um we usually get anywhere between 100 and 300 people. I know that's a large range, but for some reason you can never guess which one is it, it's going to be. Um, we're also very Detroit in the way that we do, do not ask anyone to RSVP because we don't believe you. Um,
0: that's actually pretty good, too. And true, I would say. We're on <laughs> a meeting for six years. I don't even know why we do it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: i don't believe anyone's rsvp so uh you know we put the event on facebook we put it on our website if you show up thank you if you don't we don't expect what you said to be true um and so then about an hour goes by amy gets up front she uh tells the story similar to the one that i tried to recite earlier um you did an excellent job thank you thank you (laughs) um She'll tell the story, and then um, she introduces the first person to start their presentation. The folks that uh, are presenting are actually chosen also in a democratic way. We have a form online, and we also have paper forms um, because of that barrier to entry thing. And uh, you fill out four questions. They're pretty simple, like, what is your project? Uh, What are you going to do with the money? Um, Will you come back and tell us about it? It's very simple, so that Pretty much anybody can put it out there. Um, we remove all identifying information from the uh, proposals. We send them out to our over 100 volunteers across the city and also to all past winners. And they are asked to vote on the four that they think should present at the next soup. We get those four back. That's who is chosen for the, the front of the room. Amy and I have nothing to do with it except for putting those things in a form and sending them out because... It's about what Detroit needs, not what we think Detroit needs. Um, so, those four people then present for four minutes. Uh, the four questions are usually pretty intense um, because people, it's not Shark Tank. I know that everyone wants to say it's Shark Tank, but it's not Shark Tank. It is
0: nothing (laughs) like Shark Tank, right?
1: But if you take the concept of what Shark Tank looks like, um, where there's questions about investment and what am I doing with this money, um, that does happen. And uh, regardless of whether those people are talking about starting a nonprofit to help little kids or whether they want to help get drug addicted people off the street, people still want to know whether their money is going towards something that is sustainable. Um, That's really important to Detroiters because we don't need more things that don't work. We need things that do.
0: (laughs) Thank you. That is a very excellent way of putting it. We need more things that do work. Uh, Absolutely.
1: (laughs) And I will admit all of the president, I mean, not all, some of the projects don't go very far, but most of the projects that have won Detroit Soup in the past either still exist in some capacity or have evolved into a different kind of project. Um, and that that's a really lovely thing to see because it's a huge community of people that are doing things in the city. and they all help each other all the time. If they you know, if they really need extra help, then they reach out to us and we connect them with someone else that has won in the past and they work together. Um, but not to sidetrack too much, following that, uh, we all eat together and that's part of the fun as well. Um, one of my favorite parts. (laughs) So not even just the eating part, uh, anyone is welcome to bring food. Um, and what we do to repay you for that potluck giving is, um, you get 60 seconds to tell the audience anything you'd like about something you're working on. So if you have a project of your own but you don't really need money, you just need help or ideas or you really just want to feed people and you want them to know you did it then you get to stand up there for 60 seconds and talk about it. Um, And then about an hour goes by where people eat and they hang out and they become friends. Um, Amy claims that some folks have met and got married, that people get jobs that sort of thing. I believe her. I just have never met this couple. Um... And then uh, we count the votes, and then the money is given to the winner. It's that easy.
0: Wait, wait, we got to do this. It's Detroit fashion, though. How is the money given to the winner? (laughs) I love this (laughs) point. This is Detroit as fuck, too. You know what I'm saying?
1: (laughs) I mean, it's given in a large wad of cash, um, and sometimes it's an envelope that I remember to bring, and sometimes it's a piece of paper that's stapled on the sides because we forget to bring an envelope. Um, One time I gave people their money in a plastic cup because I didn't have anything else.
0: (laughs) Was it a red solo cup? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, You know, we are professional to an extent.
0: Yeah. Well, Hey, it's the money that was there. You gave them the money. Everybody counted it. It's transparent. It's, It's all giddy out, right?
1: Yeah. And I think that's part of the allure, right? Like if I had this big giant check that I like handed over to them that would not be nearly as accessible as I'm a human being. And sometimes I forget envelopes and it's okay. Yeah. Cause you still got a thousand dollars for your project.
0: Absolutely. And last time I checked envelopes, weren't solving any problems. Really, <laughs> right. At least not in Detroit.
1: I just don't I need an
0: envelope. I just love the fact you just walk out with a wad of cash. <laughs> Everybody votes. I don't see what's not the like. I don't think, I don't know. I think it's the beginning the beginning of everything. What are the, some of the more notable... Um, the, I've been, I think, twice now. Uh, I don't feel like anybody shouldn't have been up there. But what were some of the more notable uh, presenters, whether they won or not, that have yeah. come through? Yeah. Right?
1: I mean, sadly for me, the ones that I'm able to like latch on to in my mind are mostly the winners. There are some people that have... So Detroit Soup has, like, a a huge power behind it. Um, You don't even really have to win necessarily to feel the magnitude of it. Um, There's this woman that wanted to teach um, dance classes to teenagers. She wanted to teach them the Lindy Hop. I think I said that right. You did. Okay. Um, And uh, she presented and, you know, Just the way that it works, somebody else's presentation won over hers. But uh, during her question series, people asked, well, what do you want to do with this money? And she said, I want to be able to provide snacks for the teens and uh, shoes for them because I don't want them to ruin their regular shoes dancing. Um, Following that event, uh, she did not win, but she got people to donate. People donated freely food and 12 pairs of shoes. Beautiful. Beautiful. You know she didn't. She she didn't really need the money um, because it's about the community that you build around your ideas. Um, so things like that are always really notable to me. Uh, this uh, girl Etienne, who lives on um, the uh, east side, um, she presented at three different soups. Uh, she presented at citywide. She presented at a special soup that we had for some folks that were visiting, and then um, she presented at the East Side Soup. So I got to know her pretty well because I saw her all the time. Um, And she lost the first two. Her idea was that she wanted to uh, film urban farmers in Detroit because she wanted them to be able to tell their own stories about why they urban farm. Um, Because everybody's reason is different. It's not just about, I don't know, that they like to farm necessarily. For her, um, she wanted to... uh, grow foods that were native to her homeland in Africa, not just American foods. So she started farming herself because she couldn't find the foods that she wanted from her childhood here. And so she knows that there are more people in Detroit with stories like that. And they're not all a bunch of hippie white kids that moved here after college, you know,
0: lots of farmers here.
1: Yeah. And so she wanted, she wanted to talk about their stories. So, uh, she tried that at citywide. Somebody else's story was more compelling Um, she tried that at the special soup. Somebody else's story was more compelling and she tried it on the East side and it worked. But (laughs) the thing that was most significant to me was that, uh, regardless of the fact that she won on the East side, she showed up there and told everyone holding two cameras that at uh, following each of the events that she had previously spoken at, that people had anonymously donated cameras to her for her project they didn't even ask for recognition one came all the way from California Um, but she had only ever spoken about her projects at Detroit Soup so she knows that it was Soup's power that got her those things.
0: I hate to interrupt you here but I I always beat this point to death. Um, In business people have a tendency and maybe you're one of these people I hope not where you want to hide your idea you want to shelter it you want to you want to protect it and if you're doing a patent or something like that that's probably a really good idea but i would say 99% of the time you it really benefits you to share your idea with the world you're going to get good feedback bad feedback and you never know who's listening and who just might help you have to open your mouth you have to tell you get you have to take chances folks you have to share i love hearing stories like that so she lost twice and was a winner
1: yeah exactly i mean she got like 500 what's not to like about that like and it's so beautiful um and uh yeah and then she ended up winning at the end of it so you know she got some dollars to go towards production using the cameras that she got for free fantastic story Um, yeah, and she's such a great girl that like it, it felt really good to see her get that. And she was resilient, you know. She kept coming back. She kept applying, um, and it paid off for her.
0: Like a good farmer, that's what I'm <laughs> yeah. talking about. I'm all <laughs> proud here, of my farmers. I'm like, yeah, that's why I like farmers, right there.
1: Yeah, no, she's she's fantastic. Um, so yeah, that's those are some of the like stories that feel good. But then there's uh, you know some of the more popular stories that are out there that um you know folks can relate to and maybe have even seen already um there's Rebel Nell who is owned by two lovely ladies um one of which worked for the uh or works for the Tigers she's a lawyer for the Tigers and um she felt like women sometimes are not empowered in the places that they should be working for corporate baseball kind of made that very clear to her. Um, and she, it's
0: probably a pretty male dominated industry, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like alpha male too. I just imagine that must maybe not, not every day is as great as the others.
1: Yeah. And like her, her real dream is to eventually be the manager. Um, I love it. (laughs) You know, but, uh, her other dream was to help, uh, other women in the world feel empowered and uh, she used to walk her dog past Cots, which is a women's shelter in Detroit. Um, she started becoming friends with those ladies and talking with them. And uh, so she and uh, her friend um, figured out that you could take fallen graffiti from buildings, put it through this like spinny, melty process. That's technical and everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't try this at home, folks.
1: <laughs> and uh, create jewelry out of it. Um, and so these ladies uh, decided that they wanted to employ ho- previously houseless women um, by making this jewelry. They had they uh, won seven hundred dollars at a soup, leveraged that to seven thousand. Um, got investors, all of that sort of thing. Um, And now they employ, there's a lot of sevens in this story, they employ seven women um, who were previously houseless. They have a staff that uh, helps those women um, become financially literate. Um, All of those women are on the way to buying their own houses. They are self-sufficient, able to take care of their children, are out of shelters, um,
0: Pretty and, much what we want every person to be able to do if yeah. they want to, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, and they have a regular job with uh with some bosses that uh really care about them, which I think most of us would like in the world. Hell yeah! Um, so that's one of them. I, on a similar vein, there's the empowerment plan, um, which is one of the early winners of uh Detroit soup. Um, and in fact, Veronica was still in college when she won. Um, it was actually a senior project at U of M. She needed to come up with like a social enterprise idea. Um, and during that research, she was working with uh, people in homeless shelters, asking them what they needed. And uh, she had this idea to create sleeping bags um, for them that were pretty resilient. And they kind of laughed at her and said, well, we really need our jobs. And uh, so she does a very similar thing to rebel. Now um, she employs uh previously homeless folks to make sleeping bags that convert to jackets. Um, so they are able to, you know, wear their comfort. Um, and then those ladies mostly, um, there's a lot of them that work for her now. Cause that's a pretty older project. Um, they all are taking classes to become more sustainable, that sort of thing. Um, What else is there? Amanda at Always Brewing is notable and has also won Detroit Soup. Um, There is uh, Shakespeare in Detroit, which is a a professional theater company that does Shakespeare's work. Um, The woman that runs uh, Shakespeare in Detroit is Samantha White. She grew up on Seven Mile in Detroit. Um, she tells a lovely story that, uh, when she was a younger girl, um, she wanted to listen to rap music and her parents would not allow that. So her mother gave her a giant book of the bard and that's where her, uh, <laughs> love of, <Instead. laughs> yes, the, the story really goes like, if you really love rhyming all that much, here's some, uh, Shakespeare for you. Um, and so, uh, Sam, um, has decided that, uh, Detroit needs a professional Shakespeare company because Detroit needs art, which is absolutely true. Um, you know, most ma- major metropolitan areas have, um, performing arts that are of interest to people. Um, if you, you can create jobs to get people to come here, but you need art in order to get people to stay.
0: I think humans need art.
1: Absolutely. Right? Yeah.
0: Whether it's cooking or painting or or whatever that creative process is. That's just part of being human. You need places to go to do this. Lots of variety.
1: Yeah. And so there's a few interesting things about her project. Um, The reason she needed money from us was because uh, it's a professional theater company and she um, prides herself on – excuse me on uh paying her actors she doesn't expect them to do this out of the kindness of her their hearts um she also has all of the performances in the places that people live work and play so uh <laughs> the most notable performance that i went to of their uh their company was at a place called recycle here which is a recycling center that's in an old warehouse um and it was in march so it was pretty cold yeah um but it was also one of the most like compelling experiences of my detroit stay so far um when you're wrapped in a blanket drinking hot cider sitting on top of pallets of garbage while watching people perform anthony and cleopatra and uh where they're actually laying on the cement floor and like really committing to the scene um it's, it's pretty amazing. And, uh, so yeah, Sam has won a couple different times. Um,
0: I would also say that's Detroit as fuckers. Right right? <laughs> yeah. Where else are you going to see Shakespeare? Right. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sam's amazing. Usually in the summer, she has them at like new centers, uh, park where it's really lovely and serene,
0: but you got to have the frozen winter <laughs> one. for those listening. March in Detroit might as well be winter uh, out of, Eight years here, I don't think we've had what I would call a warm March. Maybe this will be the first year. It was, March is usually pretty miserable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was an experience.
0: I bet that was cold, cold, (laughs) cold. I, I applaud them, especially laying on a concrete floor. Oh, my man. Yeah. Better me than, better them than me. I, I appreciate their dedication.
1: Um, but yeah, I mean, those are just a few examples. Uh, most recently, um, A girl named Cornetta Lane, uh, one uh, for an idea called um, Core City Stories. There's a thing that happens in redeveloping cities where uh, some folks from the outside sometimes try to come in and rename things that had names and histories and uh, space and place in the world
0: say it ain't so. <laughs> like Mount McKinley, or the Grand Canyon or or whatever whatever else, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Um and in this case there's lots of uh, real estate folks, I guess you could say, who are trying to rename um neighborhoods in Detroit. Marketing. Yes, exactly. And so uh, there's a super popular neighborhood called Corktown. Um and that is situated very close to Core City. And uh some folks tried to say in an article that they were going to be redeveloping West Corktown, which West Corktown? <laughs> yep.
0: Nice try, um, folks.
1: <laughs> which really upset Cornetta because she grew up in Core City, which is also known as West Corktown. Um, and it's always had a name and the people that live there identify it as core city and that is their home. So she started core city stories out of a other program that she runs, which is Detroit dialogues, where they talk about race and intersections in Detroit. um, But Core City Stories is unique in that it's a bike tour that goes through the neighborhoods and stops at different people's houses where those people then use their front porch as their stage for telling their story of their neighborhood. So they had four different people tell the story of their neighborhood. Um, and, uh, they rode their bikes around and people that lived in that neighborhood and didn't live in that neighborhood came. There was like 65 people on this tour that came to learn the stories of Core City through this. Platform, um, Cornetta wants to grow this program and help other neighborhoods in Detroit do the same thing, um, and so she convinced the room at Detroit Soup that she needed funds to do that, and everyone agreed with her, and so she uh, she won back in September, I think it was, um, and then some of my favorites are these teenage kids that won um, a couple months ago for Jay Dilla Day
0: i was there for that one yeah
1: Yeah. they
0: those kids were selling man i was uh, so proud
1: they were so good um oh hell yeah they were they uh they were gosh probably i don't want to misquote this but we will say younger than 17 and older than 10
0: something like 12 13 maybe (laughs) right
1: um and there was three of them uh and they uh if you're not familiar, Jay Dilla is a producer from uh, Detroit who is deceased and uh, is pretty influential worldwide. Um, and each year there's a Jay Dilla Day in Detroit, but uh, there's also a, a Dilla Youth Day. And that's what these kids were selling because Dilla Youth Day is produced by kids for kids. Um, and so they have to get all their own funding. They have some adults that kind of help along the way, but they are it's really about empowering the youth to do this. Um, Dilly Youth Day is a space where those kids can learn all sorts of hip-hop culture, um, and these kids will be able to say it a lot better for you, but uh, that <laughs> I includes, wouldn't even try. Go for it. <laughs> that includes, you know, rapping, emceeing, uh b-boying and b-girling um and uh, all matters of producing hip-hop music um and they have an all-day event where these kids uh produce this thing and teach each other and uh hang out and they won detroit soup um and i'm really excited to go this year and see what they do with it um and we're hopefully having them back to perform uh on january 17th's event
0: that would be awesome. I'm definitely going to go to that then. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to miss that.
1: We had a we had a conversation about them doing something for MLK because it's the next day.
0: Oh yeah, they had a great story. And I, I, Grant Cardone, a sales guy that I listen to a lot, I think he's right. He's a kids when they're convinced of something, I think they're some of the best salespeople on the planet, right? Because they were selling it. They had the story down. They was like, oh, I I knew they were going to win as soon as they're about 30 seconds. And I'm like, oh yeah. They're, they're going to get that. There was somebody need to hire those kids. They're doing a great job, right? They sold the shit out of that project. I think, I don't know if there's any vote for the room. I mean, I know there was, but they just stole that room literally like they owned it. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, we are lucky enough to have some, uh, you know, fancy schmancy consultants that work with our, uh, the presenters the day before. So I get to watch everybody do their like rough draft of their presentations the day before, and then they go through, uh.
0: Oh, that's a perk. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So you, um, you get a little taste before.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, then they have some folks, uh, ask them questions and help them, uh, rewrite their story a little bit, but those kids didn't really need much help the day before they were, they were ready and they were convinced. Um, and, uh, you could tell that they were convinced they had a good idea because Hell yeah. they, uh, they, they sold it. I think
0: they did have a good idea too. We'll see oh how yeah. No, it's, it's, it's yeah.
1: a great idea. Um, you know, uh, empowering the youth of this city is really really important and if it's if it's kids empowering kids that's even better
0: yeah that's one that's the one thing i really care about detroit that's not that I don't care about anybody else but if we can do right by the children Mm -hmm. that solves the problem
1: well yeah i mean
0: that does solve the problem we're a gener at any point in time when we decide we want to do it (laughs) we are a generation away from fixing all of it right exactly and for those listening, they didn't choose this shit either. So keep that shit to yourself, all right? They were just born into it. They didn't have a choice. And what I love about Detroit Soup, it's voluntary, democratic. Anybody can come. Anybody can get up. You, Your, your, your people didn't win. Go help them yourself.
1: Yep. And, and they're always welcome to try again next time too. There's yep. we don't have restrictions like you. you it's it's not a one time thing. Um, if you keep getting chosen to get up on that stage, you can keep trying to convince people that your idea is good. Um, and you always get feedback, so your idea will get better.
0: Yes, i I love everything about it. I don't know if it's the only way or the best way, but it checks all the boxes I like. There's no guns involved. there's not there's nothing everybody can you can do something about it. You want to bring your problem there i just I just like everything about it. I think we can probably solve a lot of problems that way, I maybe not all of them the
1: worst yeah no i i just I love thinking about how uh how Detroit is just working on itself um, and that you know we're all here just trying to when someone shows up to soup who you know doesn't have an idea, doesn't know one of the presenters. It's those people that I find most fascinating because they are making the largest commitment to that experience because they are just walking in because they care about this idea and about soup.
0: Well, it's an arresting idea, especially, uh, I don't know, post-World War II America, right, where, I don't know, this is like the polar opposite of how most people would solve problems, right? And please, I'm generalizing, so nobody let me get butthurt about this. I voted. Why isn't it fixed? Right? That's right. what I call it. I voted. Why isn't it fixed? Well, voting doesn't fix much, folks. And it takes a lot of people who care to fix things, and you don't need permission to do it. You just need to go fix things, which is what I love about Detroit. Soup. You can go. You don't even have to do it. You got some money. Give $5. Give $20. Give $100. Give no dollars. If you don't have, maybe you just need an idea or something. You can immediately come and attempt to fix a problem. Mm-hmm. Whether it's successful or not, that's fine. If it's not, maybe the next time.
1: Right.
0: No guns, no force, no nothing. Everybody getting together, and you get to eat, which I love food, and I love the whole process of food. And one of the best things I ever did was get rid of my microwave thirteen years ago. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Right. I just love. I just love everything about it. Whether I agree with them or not, what I don't know. What better ways do we have to solve some of these problems?
1: I'm not sure, honestly, and I mean. I all of my all of my greatest friends come and hang out at soup um because we all are invested in community in the same way.
0: yeah, care about people, want people to do well. I don't know this idea does not seem that foreign to me. I don't think I ever want a thought of Detroit soup though, which is what I love about human beings, right right I just immediately recognized something I liked when I saw it. And I'm sure there are other things like it. Do you know of anything similar to soup or soup-like?
1: Yeah, sure. So there's like still some uh, some uh, soup-like things out there that are for art projects. Uh, there's a thing called Feast, which is an acronym for some stuff that involves food and art. Um, there's other things that are just soup out there, um, and we don't. We currently don't require that anyone tell us that they exist. Um, so there could be lots of things out there that look like this and, or have evolved from ideas like this. Um, I met some people who said that they do something similar where, um, money's not involved. It's just a commitment of manpower to the ideas and that sort of thing, which I also like. And those are mostly urban farmer folks that, uh, commit the manpower parts. Um, you know, art, they still just need money a lot of times for their, their work. Um, so
0: yeah, resources and labor, which labor can be a resource too, but it's worth, it's worth separating. Right? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, for us, we just remove the silos because we want the audience to feel like they have power in the situation as well. And when you create a silo, then you're telling people that they may not have expertise in what they're voting on and then you take away their power. Yeah. So that,
0: that's why I, I you have power whether you, r- you realize you're not. You just walk in and do something. hmm Literally. And if you're listening to this thinking you don't have power, somebody fucking lied to you. <laughs> you can literally stop what you're doing right now and go do something else.
1: hmm
0: Everything else is a lie. Don't listen to it. And, and that's what I love about it. And I think the beauty of it, too, is it's completely decentralized. Right. Which I think is the only way you solve local problems. Like, some problems are global. Mm-hmm. And that might require some level of centralization, right? Sure. But most problems that most people are worried about every day, minus ISIS and things like it, right? Are local.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think
0: a lot of these problems could be solved locally, peacefully, voluntarily, democratically, with money, with labor, all that. And that's what I like about it and why. I like that it's in Detroit, too. So it started in Chicago and then came to Detroit?
1: Yeah. I mean, the the original, like, overall concept of, like, eat food, give money, devote idea came from Chicago. Yeah. Um, and, and who knows? Then, maybe
0: we've done this 100,000 times already, right? Yeah. And nobody just – we just don't know about it. Right. I mean, if, if we don't communicate soup, about right?
1: these things, then how are we supposed to know? But yeah. uh yeah, uh, we we never claim that it is like something that we own by any means, but we've just done a lot of work to make it work for our community. And um, then we have done a lot of work to communicate that out with our our manifesto of sorts of how this works.
0: Yeah, your manifesto. I like it. Now, I know you're not in charge of soup and you don't run soup, right? right. You work for soup. Yeah. So I don't know if you can say this or whether you know or not, but what does the future of Detroit soup look like, at least as far as you know, or as you can share too?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I can kind of share a little bit. Um, as I've mentioned, there's been a lot of international growth, um, and that's not slowing down. And so, uh, Amy has been doing a lot of traveling and workshopping with those folks in other countries. Um, and so there will probably be more of that. Uh, more of her sharing the work that we're doing in Detroit with other parts of the world. Um, And, you know, some people ask me questions about whether that's really necessary, you know? And uh, I think the greatest thing about it is that Detroit is an expert on something and that's pretty cool. And while she's over there talking about this with other folks, she's sharing other stories about Detroit that they would never hear. And, uh, In a city where the thing that most people think about is its despair and its uh, bankruptcy, we need people out in the world telling its good stories as well. Oh, yeah.
0: Absolutely. I don't understand uh, people who say that, like, do we need this? (laughs) It's voluntary. (laughs) It's democratic. Anybody could do it. You don't have to go if you don't want to. You know what? Fuck it. You hate, you like problems? Don't go.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, Amy's going to do do more of the workshopping stuff. And then um, I will uh, keep doing the neighborhood growth. Um, Right now, we're in nine neighborhoods. um, And neighborhoods is a loose term i want to be clear uh that's actually considered more like communities where multiple neighborhoods work together so the east jefferson one spans um like jefferson chalmers all the way to the villages so that's for those of you that don't live in detroit that's like a 2 mile spread that it's not just one neighborhood um but we did that strategically because we want neighborhoods with more um influence and affluence to be having conversations with some communities with less. Um, and if you put them in a room together and they talk about their problems, it's amazing what you can see come out of it.
0: Well, yeah, we're all in this together too. Right. And it is voluntary again. Yeah. We're all in this together. In fact, nobody gets out of this thing alive, right?
1: That's <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, so we're we're in nine community soups right now. Um and then we're gonna work on two more in the early part of this year. Um we're working on Southwest and District Three, wow. which is uh northwest Detro- or north northeast Detroit.
0: Man, you got your work cut out for you, huh?
1: Yeah, but it's super fun. It um, is.
0: Hey, I don't know. I don't get these people who don't like hard work. When you're doing something <laughs> you like, what's wrong with hard work, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's super fun. And I have a really great community around me in Detroit of supportive volunteers and other nonprofits and organizations with similar missions um, that are helping me make this thing cooler and better. Um, we're trying to work on some like next step stuff for people that have won and not won. Um, so that we can help everybody get their projects a little further than oh, what like just it. money there can you do. Go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A little follow up. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, that's what we're looking at. Um, you know, it's just Amy and I and our designer Claire, um, who does an amazing job. She does way more than just design, but that's what we call Three her. Three people. Yeah. Well, we also have like a hundred-ish volunteers. I, I understand. But. I understand. Right.
0: <laughs> i just. I want to point. To- I I hear I get this shit all the time. What can one person do? What can two people do? You know, a lot.
1: I email a lot. <laughs> and how long
0: have you been doing this? And look what like you what you have done, right? So, Joanna, how I met her is at this coffee shop, and I don't even know how we got to talking about Detroit businesses. <laughs> and you literally just like vomited <laughs> for an hour and a half. And I think I have my podcast planned for like the next year of people <laughs> to talk to. Like, you are like a queen of all these like little Detroit, not even, I shouldn't say little, but Detroit centric businesses and knowledge. And it's just amazing what you know. Um, speaking of which. Where are some of the cooler ones? Um, I hate to put you on the spot that, <laughs> oh, so I'll keep talking. Right? <laughs> so when we were sitting down, I think I came in on a Saturday morning, and I think it was like Thursday. We were talking about, I'm like, well, how about I come in? We'll talk. You kind of do like a brain dump while you're working. I brought my little mini iPad, and I started typing. In fact, I think I still have uh, – I wrote, I wrote all this down in there, and literally it was an hour and a half nonstop of you just talking and i just i was just typing and it was literally page after page in fact as i'm i was talking about this i'm scrolling down to find it literally just page after page after page of every little micro business big business that you knew about detroit like rebel nell that's definitely going on like all these things what are some of the more notable ones or more interesting people um ah. on there that maybe haven't got as much exposure as not that this 150 listener podcast, but hey, we're growing. We're going places, right? I mean,
1: an audience is everywhere. Everybody has power and everybody has their own network. So it doesn't matter. Um,
0: and just so you're hard. aware, just so you're aware, look at the influence you've had on this podcast, right? <laughs> See? Right? So. Uh,
1: golly. There it literally
0: is everywhere.
1: <laughs> there are so many good businesses in Detroit. Um people are so invested. Um I don't know. My my favorites are uh coffee shops because I feel like they are community minded. Okay, I'm gonna back up. One of my friends from college runs a website called Detroitography. And uh he Really? Yes, he makes uh maps of different like I guess I would call them political maps, but I don't mean political in politics. I mean like uh, socioeconomic and that sort of thing data. Um, And he made one maybe two weeks ago about the density of coffee shops in Detroit. And then there was a short blurb underneath that talked about coffee shops um, contributing to gentrification. And I don't disagree with that theory. But I do think that if you look at coffee shops and their intentionality – then some of them are not contributing to gentrification, one of which being always brewing. Um, I feel that way about coffee and as well over on the east side. Um, Those two women created spaces because they wanted the communities around those spaces to have a coffee shop. And not because they wanted to increase gentrification by the existence of that coffee shop, but they wanted to create community hubs within those spaces.
0: Yeah, it's like a community anchor. Exactly. I try and come to this coffee shop every day. It's open. I try really
1: hard. I think you do an excellent job.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want a coffee shop in my neighborhood, and I remember what it was like before. right? No place to hang out. Wouldn't have met you. No place to do the podcast. And the coffee is excellent here, too. Conveniently located by the way folks, go to alwaysbrewingdetroit.com, help out Amanda Brewington. If you're in the Metro Detroit area, you should swing by. It's a very nice coffee shop. Excellent coffee roasted locally by Hazano. Uh you will not be disappointed and then she has soup, she has wraps, all that. I know it's a little commercial, but Amanda's my friend. It's an excellent shop. And I don't want to see her succeed and help us out. I like having a local coffee shop in my neighborhood. Right? I appreciate it. So, if you're in the area, swing on by. You won't you won't regret it. So,
1: But that's the, that's part of, even that is part of the conversation that we've had about, you know, there are tons of small businesses in Detroit, but uh, at the end of the day, if people aren't going to them, then they're not going to stay. Um, I did some work when I was still at the uh, Detroit Regional Chamber with this Google program. It was mostly so Google could get your data, but it was also helpful to small businesses. And it was called uh, Get Your, or Get Detroit on the Map. Um, And, with the help of Social coop media, um we did classes for small businesses helping them fill out their Google Maps profiles um so that they'd be more fine you'd be able to find them and then also you know they'd exist on the Google sphere um, but in that, uh, I started thinking about well why why are small businesses even important? Um, but at the end of the day, You can create as many jobs as you want in large corporate spaces. You can get people to move into houses. You can redo houses as much as you want, and people can move into them. But nobody is going to stay here, and the tax base is not going to change here if we do not have places for people to shop, eat, and hang out. Yes.
0: Just like every city, successful city, and the world, right? Exactly. We are social creatures. We like doing social things. And that is one annoying thing about Detroit, and it's getting better every day. Um, I don't have to leave the city nearly as often as mm-hmm. I used to, so it's improving every year. But that—that that is one of the big reasons why a lot of people don't live in Detroit is it is a pain in the ass a lot of times to purchase these things you need in life, right? Now, recently, Meyer just opened up, so we don't have to go out to the suburbs to go grocery shopping sure. anymore. But it's still a problem for a large part of the city, right? Yeah. I happen to be lucky enough to live next to where they opened the new Meijer. 140 square miles, not everybody is still lucky, Yeah,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, I don't live near a Meijer, yeah. but uh, I shit's do... That annoying. <laughs> I do live near uh, Honey Bee, which is in Southwest, and it is a fantastic grocery store. There you go. And locally owned and family operated. Um, it doesn't have everything you need, but it does have really great tortillas. Yeah. Um, So, you mentioned not having to leave the city. Yes. uh, And we're talking about businesses that are interesting to me. Um, I hate going to the mall. And so... (laughs) Which also comes from my feelings about the suburbs, blah, blah, blah. We've already gone over that. Um, So, Rachel Lutz owns a dress shop in uh, the Park Shelton, which is next to the DIA. Um, It is where I buy we're going to say 70% of my clothing. Um, And her stuff is not necessarily cheap. I will admit that, but uh, it's a conscious decision on my part to support her because if, if I don't support her, then there aren't going to be more clothing shops in the city because she was one of the first that catered to women of a certain age and a certain stylistic tendency. Um, And since then there's been lots of other clothing shops that have started opening up. Um, But uh, she is one of my favorite people in the city because she is exceptionally outspoken about the um, necessity for shopping small and shopping local. And uh, she's, she's a force to be reckoned with. And it's, uh, it's lovely that a a woman, um, you know, she, she had a big fancy career, but she loved this city and she saw that women needed somewhere to shop so she opened a place for women to shop and that is the mentality that I can get behind um you know people are doing it everywhere too which is it, it's it's awesome um it's awesome to see that happen and see it be successful you know she opened the peacock room i'm going to misquote this but maybe 4 years ago um and then she opened frida which is her second store um Just a year ago or Uh, less.
0: You don't open a second store if you're not doing all right.
1: Exactly. Right.
0: That's good news. That is excellent news. Yeah, downtown has changed. When I moved here in 2007 compared to Oh, gosh. I can't even imagine. Oh, it's it's amazing. Uh, Neighborhoods, too. Actually, everything in general. I know you may not catch this on the news. Everything in general, for the most part, I think is
1: better yeah i mean if you go to like a lot the, of it's a lot better yeah if you go to the avenue of fashion like uh the livernor corridor university district area um that area is so populated now you know there are so every time i go down there there's one less empty storefront which is really encouraging to see
0: it is and quite frankly what we need
1: right mm-hmm. I absolutely because
0: you pointed out we are social creatures we need places to eat shop hang out do things look at some art otherwise nobody stays which i think is a lot of reason why a lot of people left too not the only reason i don't want to say i don't want to pick like their one reason right but you work a busy job you got 2.2 kids right right you gotta drive an extra 20 minutes to go to the grocery store that's not tenable in what we would call a suburb life right
1: no and and people need convenience like you can't you can't expect my lifestyle is not something that would be okay if i had a family to no. <laughs> like sustain. Yeah. So, uh, 70
0: no. hour a week job plus a family <laughs> and a mortgage and a car payment and yeah. all of a sudden you got to drive an extra 20 30 minutes to go to the grocery store. Oh man, i don't i don't want to say that that's the only reason, but you must admit that is a big reason, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's also uh, one of the reasons why I picked where I live in Detroit, where I can get out to the suburbs easily and then get back in cuz I started on the east side and that was a pain in the ass mm-hmm. for especially for what we for what we do. So, okay. Getting a little bit more back on topic. We just went completely off, which I like. I like, <laughs> right? So, I was reading, and it says you work on freelance projects. Yeah. What freelance projects have you worked on?
1: Um, I work on pretty much anything someone will throw at me because I like learning new things. Um, most of them are writing projects. Uh, I ghostwrite for a lot of things a lot of times. Um, I'll copyright websites. Um, gosh, what else have I done?
0: What has been your favorite? Um, I don't know about favorite, but maybe Thank you yeah. learned the most. Uh, you most appreciate your, your freelance project you appreciate the most. <laughs> or maybe you're still waiting for the right one to come along.
1: You know, I was just, uh, kind of offered one recently that I think will become my favorite, but I have yet to seal the deal on it. So I don't want to talk about it, Okay, but no, that's
0: good policy. Yeah.
1: I, I think that that one will be pretty great, but I just, uh, you know, you got to pay the bills. Um, and if you find the right people to be your freelance bosses, uh, they keep coming back with you and giving you cool stuff to work on. Um, writing is fun to me. Uh, you know, I don't want to be a copywriter by trade forever and ever, but uh, you know, once or twice a month is pretty fun.
0: Okay. And if somebody wanted to uh, hire you, they go to
1: anything, you know, JoannaDwicky.com Joanna is probably the Dot best. Com. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm interested in a lot of things. I do social media management of the communications for Detroit soup is me. Um, and so, yeah, it's good. It's good, fun work.
0: So let's talk about Awesome Mitten and your yeah. writing at Awesome Mitten, which I, I did go through. I only had like a day.
1: <laughs> All right. So, well, I've been writing for them for four years. For a long time, so,
0: right. So Awesome Mitten, how did that happen? And just kind of just a general overview. So, and you should definitely go, go to com and check it out folks. But.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, Ozamitten is one of the coolest, most amazing things that have ever has ever happened to me. Um, Alex Beaton, who I mentioned earlier, uh, she and I went to junior high and high school together. We were not friends at that time. Um, we were inherently different human beings, but then we went to college together. And when you start drinking alcohol with people, they become your friends.
0: Time, I find, helps too. Right? It
1: does. Yes. Um and then she graduated a little earlier than I did from MSU and she moved to Nashville. Um for her first big girl job. She moved back to Traverse City just one short year later um because she just couldn't handle it. She, not not that she couldn't hang because she's a very strong intelligent woman. Um but she missed Michigan. Um Michigan was calling to her. So she comes back Everybody around her is doing that thing that we do in Michigan, where we complain about what an awful place it is.
0: Michigan's great.
1: I totally agree.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But if you think back five years ago, we didn't have quite the same conception of Michigan that has happened over the last five years. Um, There's been a huge upswing in the way that people talk and think about this state, Um, A lot of that has to do with Pure Michigan, but I would also like to say that some of it has to do with Awesome Mitten, which works with Pure Michigan a lot of times. Um, But there's been a whole different concept of what this state means as far as outdoorsiness and that sort of thing. Um, So she got back. Lots of people were complaining. She decided to buy this domain because this is what Alex does we just had a meeting the other day and she told me that she has 44 domains that she's just like bought because I
0: understand I had to break this habit.
1: (laughs) She has not broken it. I think she bought another one during that meeting. So (laughs) uh, That's
0: commitment right there. I'm all in.
1: Yeah. She's, she's fantastic. So she bought the domain, started the social media before she even really had a, a, an entire concept of what she wanted to do with this thing. Um,
0: Sounds like we get along great.
1: She's she's a doer, which is you know part of the the reason that uh, I still work with her um, because none of us get paid. So I love getting shit done. Right <laughs> <though>. <laughs> um, so she started this thing after talking to some folks in Traverse City mainly about like what this could look like, um, and with the idea that she was going to hire college students to be the writers as uh, interns. Which in its first conception, that is what Awesome Mitten did. We hired a college, or in my case, people that were just out of college to write about everything awesome in the mitten. Our first campaign was 365 days of awesome. And so each day something that we deemed awesome was published. That's a lot of writing. Yeah, well we had, at that time we had a team of I don't know 40 writers um and you know editors that managed them. We've gone through lots of different manifestations of what this thing looks like and how it operates. Um the core team has continually been Alex at the head with Aaron Bernhard um, as the, uh, managing content editor. Um, and I've always been on in some capacity, but, uh, I was only writing. Then I was doing social media management. Then I was doing writing social and, uh, editing. And then I gave up social to just do editing. And, uh, part of the, the the three of us are like the strategic team, I guess you could say. Um, and, uh we have lots of exciting things coming up in 2016. Excellent. I feel like uh it's that like social experiment that kind of happens by like accident but also because the people that are working on it are super smart um and committed. Um, but what really did it so Alex started this five years ago. Um, and I don't know if you've heard of mittengate.
0: No I love this though.
1: But Wisconsin decided that they also wanted to be a mitten. What? It's a little like kind of screwed up mitten, but they Ah, wanted to be a mitten. Um, They could be a fucked up mitten. (laughs) Wisconsin. And uh, Alex, in all of her snarkiness, made some tweet about how ridiculous that was.
0: Hashtag mitten wars.
1: It was, I think it was Mittengate. Um, <laughs> Mittengate. Pure <laughs> Michigan picked up on it. They created a landing page of the Mitten Wars between the two. Oh, yeah. Um, our social media following blew up, which also meant that our f- readers and followers blew up. Um, you can ask Chad Wiesebeck from uh, Pure Michigan, who manages their social, and he will attribute a huge amount of their early success in their ad campaign campaigns to that like clash and work between the two of us. Um, and then we've we've just uh, been changing and learning since then. Um, in this last year, we decided that uh, things really needed to change because we were just doing features every day, and it was getting boring for us, especially, but probably for our readers too. Because it was the same thing we'd been doing for the previous four years. So this uh, summer, we started um, these things called mitten trips, um, where folks take $200 and go to a city um, and spend the weekend in that city. And then they write about it. Uh, Hmm. They give you a guide of how to do this thing on a pretty reasonable weekend budget if you're going on a vacation um and uh so we did 12 of those this summer 12 cities in uh, 12 weeks um we sent a different writer to most of them and then you know they they published a guide and some features about it um and then we did another eight this fall um we had some pretty cool sponsors you know beer sponsors and that sort of thing that are also mitten minded (laughs) and uh then uh, we're going to do that again next year. Um, But they're going to be a little different than what we did this last year because, as always, you learn what works and what doesn't, and you make changes. Um, We had a strategy meeting with Alex and Aaron and I uh, on Christmas Eve, actually, because that's how committed we are. Uh, We sat in a room together for six hours to come up with what we're going to do in 2016. Um, And Alex started the meeting with, let's think about what we want to do and pretend that we can't remember what we've done because we spend a lot of time talking about, well, we can't really change this because that's what, what we've always done and we can't change that. Um, and we're done doing that because we're going to be stuck doing the same things forever if we don't change it. Um, so look forward to some, Some different work in in the coming year. Um, And granted, when we started this thing, we were young and we did not have the uh, same professional careers that we now have. I will attribute most of my professional success and or getting of jobs to Awesome Mitten because when you have a portfolio like I do from that digital space, people take you kind of seriously. Absolutely um so you're you're a good writer too and i appreciate that thank you and it's it's vastly the the amount my writing has improved in the past four years because of this experience is uh is crazy
0: yeah i i can only imagine i know it's like to not make money on something like renegade detroit investors right
1: but you do it because Hmm. it means something
0: well and i think there's when you i don't know that feeling like you know you have a good idea but you just haven't quite pulled it off yet
1: yep It's hard to let go of that, right? Yeah, I think that's where we're at, you know, because the three of us are not totally insane. So we wouldn't keep doing this if there wasn't potential for it to somehow be what we believe it can be.
0: Yeah, you just have to fail faster.
1: Yeah. That
0: was my big thing. I tried to fail too slow with (laughs) Detroit Investors, and I really just need to speed up the failing. Yeah. Fail faster and fail forward Yeah, kind of mentality.
1: I think we're cool with failing. We. You have to be we enjoy each other enough yeah. that you know we've we've created this uh this working relationship, and yeah, so all of our writers are volunteers um, and we always take more writers if they want to do work with us um it, because our writers usually live in Michigan um and they are our audience, so it's kind of like if if you want to talk to your friends about why you think this state is awesome, you might as well join us.
0: That's something I've always found interesting. So I'm not originally from here. Mm -hmm. My wife and I moved here in 2007. We were living in Pullman, Washington at the time. And from the outside looking in, Michigan has all sorts of opportunity, especially if you're on a limited budget. Sure. If you're originally from out west like I am, there isn't much cheap about out west. There's lots of barriers to entry. Out West made their decisions a long time ago. Huge government, huge bureaucracy, um, just land values—a little shit shack, yeah, half a million dollars, right? Right. And see, yeah, it just—it's fucking crazy, right? And any sort of startup capital to start any business, you're you're not going to do it on ten thousand, five thousand, right. twenty-five thousand. It's going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we were looking at Michigan, and there was just opportunity everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was failure everywhere. But that's the cool thing about failure is opportunity too. And like, well, man, we can just scrape our mind together. We can come out here, and, and we can actually get, make a go of it, yeah. right? Yeah. And so from the outside looking in, maybe if you're from Michigan, you're not know, thinking about That was in 2007. That was before sure. the crash. But I still look at the crash as the greatest opportunity of our generation too. Yeah. I just feel that way. I feel like if you want to change things, and you want to do something, and you want to go somewhere, and you don't have much to do it, this is a pretty good place to do it.
1: I have not left, so I also agree.
0: And Michigan's also beautiful.
1: It is fantastic. So I am guilty of this. I grew up in Traverse City. It is one of the most beautiful places in the world. National Geographic even thinks so. And... (laughs) So human. I wanted out so bad. But now that I look back on it, and definitely this has a lot to do with teenage angst. Absolutely. And, you know, that sort of thing. But looking back on it, I probably had one of the most idyllic childhoods that anyone could ask for. I got to go to the beach every day. I did mention that I had to work in restaurants all the time. But my car was covered in sand because I went to the beach before I had to go work a job where I made a bunch of money off of folks that lived downstate and would come up to eat at fancy restaurants. Like, it wasn't a bad gig. It was pretty nice.
0: Yeah, if you like water and green <laughs> and fall. Yeah. I mean, come on.
1: And I it mean, hurts to
0: look at so fucking beautiful here sometimes. I'm like, it's oh my true. God. Like, where else would I see this? It's, it's true. so beautiful.
1: And I mean, even though I had to drive through that terrible snowstorm to get here, even the winter is pretty nice here.
0: Absolutely. All things being said and done. And I still have the only thing I and the longer I'm here, the easier it is to get over with. But if you've ever lived in and around mountains.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: That, or big rivers. Mountains are big rivers.
1: Yeah. I just saw mountains for the the like real mountains for the oh, yeah. first time recently. And I I can get behind Yes. If we could have mountains here, this would be the best place ever.
0: But it's hard to get everything you want. Right. And Michigan has everything else. (laughs) It's gorgeous. Lots of land. Lots of farming. Pretty decent weather. Still get a fall and a winter. I don't know. I like four seasons, too.
1: And you can have urban environments and also like super rural environments within an hour of each other, um, which is pretty. Pretty hard to do.
0: So that's what I like about Detroit too. So you have like this downtown creative explosion, and then basically people just flying away from any sort of centralization, right? Which yeah. is what I love—just an enormous plurality, yeah, of business, nonprofit, culture, whatever. Right? There's a hashtag coming up every new week about something somebody's upset about and changing <laughs> that. <right? laughs> yeah. And then you flip over the other side, and you just this enormous corporate power competing on a global yeah. ruthless global level right yeah and i mean we have the the the
1: uh international border that is unprecedented this is the only other place with a patent office like there's stuff happening here
0: big stuff small stuff lots of stuff lots of room i guess i felt like there was lots of room here didn't feel crowded yeah
1: yeah and and it's like welcoming room. I, it's really funny. I talk to people and they're just like, everyone's so nice in Detroit. Yeah. Like they're surprised by it. And I guess I can see like from the way that the media portrays us, maybe that's not perfect, but this place has a community like none other.
0: Yeah. Now I do want to throw a disclaimer out cause I, I hate when I get this shit. All right. It's still a pretty fucked up place. Right. So if that bothers you, if not being able to get something done bothers you, if not being able to get your DT turned on or your power turned on and <laughs> appropriate, this is not the place for you. And we still have a long way to go, but if you like challenges and you want to be your own person and you want to try and f- find a place, this might be the place for you. All right. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I think it's perfect for me anyway.
1: Yeah. I
0: At least for the stage of life agree. I was in my idea, that idea it was, um, so if I can make it work in Detroit, I can make it work anywhere too. <laughs> it happened to be the place where I could fit in, right? Because I didn't have much to start with—practically mm-hmm. nothing—and a place I could fail pretty miserably, which I did twice. Mm-hmm. Right, that's an important part of it too. But it's also a place where you can afford to fail, which is pretty important to my wife and I. Is we can afford to make mistakes here. You can't really do that in New York or San Francisco or Seattle. No, not
1: without any catastrophic uh, repercussions. Your
0: burn rate on money is just ridiculous. It is hard to survive failure in those situations. So for that, I will be forever grateful for Detroit, for just being cheap enough to fail in twice so rapidly. I
1: mean, I wouldn't be able to live the lifestyle that I live anywhere else. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, Because I, I (laughs) I work on projects that don't pay a ton, Um, but I'm still able to, uh, live a pretty full life. Um, I still vacation. I still, you know, I, I go out when I would like to. And, uh, I, I have an education that I, Wayne State University did not do me wrong. So, you know, it's a, it's a really amazing place.
0: Yeah. I think so too. I think a lot of, a lot of opportunity Mm -hmm. if we don't screw it up, which I don't, (laughs) I don't think we are.
1: I think there's enough of us out here committed to yeah. it that uh, it's going to be okay.
0: Especially if we're just committed to getting it done and not being right, right? That I think that's that's a big part of it. There's a lot of failures still to come, but uh, I don't know. I think it's really interesting, and I think it, it's starting to become more clear to me the longer this thing goes. That for better or worse, Detroit's going to make another huge mark on the world, and I think it's going to be for the better. I, I don't know. I, I'm throwing my vote agree. in. I'm cautiously optimistic, which <laughs> – Don't take that from the curmudgeon lightly, okay? Cautiously optimistic. What does the future, as far as you know, hold for Joanna?
1: Uh,
0: By future, I mean next six months, next six years, next (laughs) 60 years. It could (laughs) be whatever you want it to be. Yeah,
1: yeah, so so far, not having a clear plan has kind of worked out for me. Um, I am a firm believer in if... I believe in something that it's going to just kind of happen. That is said with a grain of salt because there's a lot of work that I put into that kind of happening thing. Um, But uh, I don't really plan on leaving Detroit. Um, Whenever I'm asked, uh, I always say that the foreseeable future forever is how long I will be here. Um, I'm not looking to move out. Um, so Detroit is definitely in my future. Um, as I mentioned, I am considering buying a house, um, that will hopefully happen sooner than later. But you know, uh, I wanted to get through grad school before I brought on another huge project, which sometimes houses in Detroit can be, which I haven't congratulated you
0: by the way. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's a great achievement.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I probably won't go back to school, but I won't also set that in stone because, uh, over the last year or so, um, urban development and, uh, community development have become increasingly more important to me. And as much as learning on the fly is cool, I may also like some professionals to help me do this thing better, um, if I'm really committed to community in the way that I feel like I am, um, I probably will continue to work with Detroit soup for as long as money and time allows. Um, and I hope that I will take on some pretty cool projects that will uh, just make me smarter, happier, those sorts of things.
0: Yeah, me too. This next segment this to be interesting. What
1: are, I, I call this like
0: the success, but it, it's, I don't know. It's more like routine, reading. I don't know. Like I have a routine. I always ask, what books are you reading? What blogs are you reading? Um, TV shows, podcasts, whatever, right? What is important in the life of Joanna that you would, uh, do you think has had a beneficial impact on you that you would recommend for others? (laughs) Is that broad enough?
1: Yeah. So I'm probably one of the most terrible people to ask this of um I doubt it. <laughs> well, I've mentioned some of the some of the stuff that I've read or looked at or consumed um like Detroitography for instance, um Daily Detroit if you want like real Detroit news as opposed to what other media wants to say about Detroit, Daily Detroit is written by Detroiters for Detroiters. Um so if you want to know real stories about the city, talk to them. Um but otherwise i uh I try to surround myself with the most smart, interesting people that I can find, and I call them my education. Um, I have tried to curate a community that is enlightening and challenging and uh diverse in their intelligences. Um, I work in social media but I don't spend a whole lot of time on the computer. Um, I'm out meeting and talking to and learning from people. And uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, you know, but I think that everyone has uh, their own expertise. Um, My best friend has taught me more about, urban development, then I think I could learn in a class because he spends all of his time spend like learning and doing that stuff. Um, small business owners are some of the most resilient, amazing people. And that's why I know so much about them because I like to learn from them. Um, yeah, I don't I like really people. Yeah. I, I don't need to read a blog post about what it's like to be an entrepreneur because some of my best friends are entrepreneurs and I am there having whiskey with them while they tell me how terribly hard it is, but how rewarding it is. Um so that being said, I also really like formal education. I just got my master's degree, which means I've done a lot of reading and stuff. Um but I, I wouldn't say that any of that is necessarily notable. Um, I I just have really smart, amazing friends.
0: Yeah, it helps a lot actually.
1: Yeah, and um you know, it hasn't always been that way. I may seem very personable on the radio, but you know, it's hard to make friends when you're an adult. It, they're not just given to you like they are in elementary school and high school. You have to work at it. Yeah. Um, and well, I so also
0: suspect that there was a turn somewhere, too, that, yeah. that I've been way more vocal about. And that's fine. I, I just, I highly suspect it. I highly suspect that Joanna was one way. And then <laughs> something happened and she changed her mind
1: probably for whatever
0: reason and went the other way.
1: Yeah. I suspect this much. Um, That's okay.
0: You don't have to share anymore. I just, I wanted to point it out for the
1: (laughs) listeners. There's turning points. Yeah. Well, I think turning points happen all the time. Um, Well,
0: I think if you're a human being, it wants to admit you're growing. I think that that number is shockingly small.
1: Yeah. I guess that's true. Just
0: as easily get trapped in a bad idea forever. Right.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm totally cool admitting that I'm a hot mess and I am constantly working on being better, but uh, you know, That's all right. I think that uh, as far as hot messes go, I've got it together most of the time.
0: Not too bad, anyway. Got a couple of degrees. It's better than most people. I went to college for three weeks. That's all I could
1: handle. <laughs> yeah, but to me, degrees also don't mean a whole lot. Like they mean a lot to me as a person. It's a commitment. It, it is a commitment, and and you know, honestly, like halfway through my degree, I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to use this, but I'm not going to not finish it. Yeah, which I think speaks to my character and blah, blah blah blah. That's what I
0: I think that's what I really yeah. admire about anybody who sticks with it just because it's a difficult thing to do. It
1: is not easy.
0: Whether you think it's worthwhile <laughs> or not. And I admire people who do difficult things. I yeah. just I just do.
1: But one thing that I do think is important, and I just started it, so I don't know whether it's proven yet, but I, I believe in the theory, is um, I started doing a five-minute journal, which is like setting your intentions for the day. Interesting. And uh, so in the morning, as soon as you wake up, you have to write three things that you're grateful for. Um, and then you have to set an intention for the day and then you reflect on that at the end of the day and you have to do this every day. Um, five minutes, five. It, okay. It's technically supposed to take five minutes, right? I don't know if you think faster or slower than the average person, but that's what this journal is. It depends on the morning. <laughs> right. Um, and one of my friends gave it to me because I w- told him that I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and I was kind of freaking out. Um, and he, uh, he gave me this journal and was like, Try this because it works for me and we'll see what happens. Um, So that's the other thing, you know, when, when things aren't working, I am not afraid to ask for help because somehow I end up with a five minute journal and we'll see how that goes. But I think it's a great idea to set your intentions for the positive in the morning and see where that takes you.
0: I don't know. I don't think that's a bad idea. I write my goals down every morning and every night.
1: I think that's also, I think it's a similar concept, right? Like,
0: Yeah, I don't know. I might I might do it a little differently. So what I'm currently doing is I write my goals down and then I have there's like goals, like not necessarily daily goals, but just goals I have. Like I'll say like so one of them is by June twenty twenty, I have a twenty thousand acre permaculture farm.
1: Okay. That's all the goals I have right there.
0: I have other ones I write down. And then I have successes for the day where I did things where I consider a success. And I also have Things I'm aiming for a certain number of calls and then I rewrite it my goals at the end of the day but I like the idea of an intention though too yeah because attention is more like a direction right
1: yeah I I'm, like that
0: idea maybe I'll, I'll change See, that's why I like doing this podcast <laughs> <like> asking <laughs> these things I'm like I like this intention thing I do journal off and on but not yeah. every morning and not intention I like this idea yeah how long have you been doing it now uh three days three days it's the very beginning <laughs> what do you think so far
1: uh I'm into it um I think that for me, it's like a grounding thing because sometimes life can just start to feel like you're doing the same things every day Yes, and there's not necessarily like, I don't want to get like all ethereal on it, but there maybe isn't like a reason for it, especially if you don't like believe in higher powers and or whatever. a good
0: reason. Right. A lot of times we do things for bad reasons. We don't even realize we're doing them.
1: Exactly. So I, I like the idea of like anchoring myself with like, if I can't have like a I want to be a doctor goal, um, I can have a, a, a reason to be grateful and intentional during the day I love that.
0: I need to put, I need to do that. What do you know what the name of the journal is in case somebody wanted to try it? It's or? just
1: called the five minute journal the
0: five minute journal. yeah okay so if you're listening and you want to give it a shot, Google it and I'll see I'll put all this in the show notes too if I can find it the yeah. five minute journal. that's interesting yeah. I like that idea. I especially like the grateful thing.
1: I I think it's important that we become more grateful as people.
0: Man, I have a problem. The more focused I get, this is definitely, I think, more a male-centric problem. (laughs) Like The more focused I get, the more things I don't see.
1: Sure, sure. And I I don't think that's just you. I think that's like a human condition. Yes. Um, I think it
0: aggravates me more, though. You can ask my wife. I, I think I need to be more grateful about things and be more intentional. And I did this experiment where I'm opened up about three years ago and I like let everything in and I just ruthlessly tore through it. And (laughs) I think I may need to do the same thing again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: interesting. Five minute journal. Okay. I like it. Is there anything you wanted to talk about or anything you want to share that you thought was important that we didn't talk about or plug (laughs) or anything like that? I feel like after you give me this much time, I always want to, (laughs) <laughs> you know, if there's anything you want to talk about, let's talk about it. Or anything no, you want to share?
1: No. I have feeling good. Um, I can talk about Detroit all day, so yeah. I, I, I'm not sure that I have much more to say about that. Um, no, I'm good.
0: Well, thank you. You drove down from Traverse City today <laughs> through freezing rain for this podcast, and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Joanna, for coming out. And you should definitely go check out and see what she's working on. Go to Joanna Duicky dot com. Go to com, And, of course, go to awesomemitten.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, find it helpful, share it with your friends. Give it a like. If you're listening to this on iTunes, maybe uh, rate it for me, too. I really appreciate it. It's a free podcast, and all this stuff really does help. Also, if you have any comments or suggestions I'd like to know, reach out let me know. Go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And if you prefer, hello, whenever I get around the video editing, that is go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. And as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know. I say it every week. They're distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits, bad starts. Whatever it is, man, you got to start. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you closer to your goals, even if it's just one step. Thank you very much for listening. I really do appreciate your attention, and I'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Until then, crush it.